Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorka. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Good morning and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa from an African perspective and we're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. We're on the frequency 7230 kHz on the 41 meter band to Southern Africa and on 11925 kHz on the 19 meter band to West Africa as well as DSTV's audio bouquet Channel 802. I'm Lulu Gabu in studio with Amanda Machaka, Wisani Matebula and Figile Lingwati. In our top stories on Africa Rise and Shine at the Sawa, concerns over the political situation in the DRC. Pressure mounts on Malawi's president to repay over $200,000. And BRICS Media Forum concludes with action plan for further cooperation. In economics news, Egyptian bank EFG Hermes to buy Nigerian broker. And in sports news, test match between South Africa and Sri Lanka gets underway. But first up, the news with Amanda Machaka. Thank you, Lulu. Good morning. Zimbabwean authorities have defended a new electoral role after allegations that thousands of fake names, duplicates and dead people are registered to cast ballots in a July 30 vote. The country's role has long been a contentious feature of elections and is accused of being at the core of vote rigging under Robert Mugabe, the longtime president who was ousted last year. President Emerson Nangagwa, who took over from Mugabe with support from the military, has vowed to break with the past promising an election free of violence, intimidation and fraud. The Zimbabwe Electoral Commission took out a full-page advert in local papers to dismiss allegations that the new role compiled via biometric registration was riddled with errors. The Swazi Democratic Party Swadepa has filed an urgent application with the Eswatini High Court challenging the legitimacy of the country's upcoming elections. Eswatini is scheduled to hold its primary elections on the 18th of August and its secondary elections on 21 September. Swadepa and other political parties want candidates who run for election within the current constituency-based system to be able to publicly state their political views and also associate themselves with any political party. But government is having none of it, maintaining that the electoral system is a constituency-based system founded on individual merit and that there is no place for political parties within this system. President of Swadepa, Jan Stolle, explains. We, we were excited when the constitution of 2005 came into being because it liberated uh, the Bill of Rights, which include, among others, the Freedom of Association, which were banned in the 1973 decree era. So that that then opened up spaces where organizations could associate themselves, uh, and including political parties, which, of course, my political party is one of those that uh, took advantage of the existence of the Freedom of Association. South African President Cyril Ramaphosa, in his capacity as SADC facilitator to Lesotho, is expected to meet with a high-level mediation team that, uh, rather, at his official home in Pretoria this morning. The SADC mediation facilitation team will be led by former Deputy Chief Justice Dekhang Museneke, who was appointed by Ramaphosa early this year following an endorsement by the SADC Double Troika in Luanda, Angola. The SADC Double Troika recommended that Ramaphosa appoints high-level personalities to support him as regional mediator in Lesotho. Speaking at the SADC Troika Heads of State and Government Summit in April, Ramaphosa expressed satisfaction that peace and security were being consolidated in the southern African country. Lesotho plunged into a political crisis following a failed coup attempt in 2014, prompting regional intervention. 
Ya has condemned former President Yaya Jamel's pledge to come back to the West African country in a leaked phone call that went viral on social media. In the phone call, Jamel says no man, no spirit can stop him from coming back to the Gambia, comments the current government has called shocking and subversive. It says in light of Jamel's record of state-orchestrated disappearances, kidnappings and murders, it would act accordingly and decisively without further elaborating. Jamel, who's 22 years rule was marked by numerous human rights violations, lost the presidential election in December 2016 to then-opposition leader Adama Baro. He went into exile in Equatorial Guinea in January 2017 when armed intervention helped end his rule. And finally, the White House says President Donald Trump intends to invite Russian leader Vladimir Putin to Washington later this year. This despite continuing criticism of Trump's performance at their summit in Helsinki, Finland this week. The White House says discussions are already taking place. The BBC's Chris Butler reports. Over the last few days, Donald Trump has said no president has ever been tougher on Russia, while defending how well he gets on with Vladimir Putin. He's dismissed claims of cyber attacks and electoral interference by Russia, only to subsequently say that he misspoke, and he seemed to consider a proposal for US citizens to be questioned by Russian officials, only to finally state that he disagreed with the idea. And now, with continued scrutiny of the relationship between the presidents, Mr Trump has ordered his officials to make plans for Mr Putin to visit the White House. For Channel Africa News, I'm Amanda Machaga. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka na Unai. The annual consultative meeting of the UN Security Council and the African Union Peace and Security Council has ended in New York, expressing concern over the situations in the Democratic Republic of Congo and South Sudan. In a joint communique, both councils urged the DRC government to urgently implement confidence-building measures ahead of the December 23rd elections that are essential for a peaceful and credible electoral process and a democratic transfer of power. On South Sudan, disagreement between the councils on the imposition of an arms embargo by the UN Security Council continued. Show and Bryce Peace reports. The two councils met for hours behind closed doors, issuing a joint communique that lauded their cooperation while calling for elections in the DRC to take place under conditions of transparency, credibility and inclusivity. They also called for a peaceful transfer of power. Listen to my exchange with Security Council President Sweden's Olaf Skwuch. Does that imply, therefore, that President Kabila should not stand in the next election? Uh, well, I think uh, what, it's, what it says is that the, the Constitution cert- sets certain limits to that, and, uh, and uh, so, you know, we cannot, we cannot impose anything but what the Constitution says. So, in short, the answer is yes? The, the answer is what I just told you, namely that, uh, you know, we, when we say that we look forward to the democratic transfer of power, uh, uh, according to, to the Constitution, uh, you know, that, I think that is, that is fairly clear as to, you know, uh, what the constitution says and what uh, what needs to happen in, in, in Congo at the, at the end of this year. Despite the close working relationship between both bodies, the imposition of the South Sudan arms embargo a week ago was a departure from the wishes of the AU Peace and Security Council. The chair of that council, Togo Sebade Toba, speaking in French, said we need to ask ourselves if this embargo is worth it given the number of weapons already in circulation in South Sudan. His counterpart acknowledged the difference in views. The council has taken a decision, but it was not a unanimous decision. So, of course, if the council is not completely unanimous, of course, a discussion like this will also be not... I mean, there are nuances in the positions uh, in, in, in our Security Council um, and also between the two councils on that particular point. 
um, um, and um, and on your uh, on the previous question, I, I, on the constitution of the DRC, I think the constitution is quite clear as to uh, mandates of, of presidents. Despite this bone of contention, Ambassador Squirch went on to laud their working relationship with the AUPSC. This is not a, a symbolic relationship. This is an absolutely necessary relationship if we are to uh, uh, achieve our goals. We um, want to commend the work of the African Union and its uh, regional partners, which should be an inspiration for other regions. You and, uh, and us, we usually talk about, I usually make this point about how the African Union is a model for many other regions in the world and that the United Nations should be blessed by having a partner uh, such as the uh, African Union and that we would have been in a better position in other parts of the world had we had similar uh, uh, organizations and regional actors. The next meeting between both councils will take place in Addis Ababa in 2019 at a date to be mutually agreed. I'm Sherwin Bryce-Pease in New York. The Congolese social movement and human rights group Lucha has been named the Africa regional winner of a 2018 Frontline Defenders Award for Human Rights Defenders at Risk, honoring the group's dangerous struggle for justice in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Frontline Defenders is the island-based international human rights organization that provides rapid and practical support to human rights defenders at risk around the world. The award has been presented annually since 2005 to human rights defenders who have made exceptional contributions to protecting and promoting the rights of their communities. More from Gislein Muhiwa, social economist at Lucha. Uh, Lucha is uh, a youth movement uh, created in 2012 uh, here in Goma. Goma is the major city of uh, Nafkiho province. And uh, the objective of Lucha is to fight for change in our country, uh, especially in the end of uh, social justice and human dignity uh, to restore all these. And so we are asking to bring people, uh, citizens, to become more exigent against all their political authorities because when we analyze our situation, we saw that there are many problems and we have those politically, political leaders who are not able to solve all these problems. That's why we decided to create Lucha, which, which will be uh, a solution to how people can act, how people uh, can do many actions and demand for their rights, demand for solutions to all the problems we are facing on in the community. That was the reason to create Lucha. And today we are acting for many campaigns. Um, we are installed in all the country. Uh, so all the Democratic Republic of Congo uh, in more than in more than 18 cities uh, of our country, and we are especially uh, a non-violent movement. So our actions are very uh, non-violent, and also we have uh, a horizontal leadership. It means we don't have a chief, someone who is the team leader or the principal lead of the movement. All members are only, um, but they have the same level, and we are also, we are all uh, militants in the movement. It means when we want to decide, we can have a meeting every uh, week in which we can take great decisions to see how we can organize our actions during the uh, week or the month or the year. Uh, for instance, we have a plan every year see how we can do action for all the year. Um, Lucha has been named the Africa Regional Winner for the 2018 Frontline Defenders Award for Human Rights Defenders at Risk. Firstly, congratulations. And what does this recognition mean for the organization? For us, it is a pleasure, uh, a great pleasure to see how international organizations are recognizing our work in for social justice and for human rights. And uh, it is also, we are very proud, proud of it. So it is an opportunity also 
to say thanks to uh, frontline defenders uh, to take the truth to us because uh, when we are acting, when we are organizing actions, we don't know uh, those who are observing the work we are doing in the country. Uh, so that word is like uh, the work we are doing is very recognized by many people and it is for us a great legitimacy for the work we are doing in our country. Now the DRC is going into elections later this year, possibly. And as a human rights organization, what are some of your concerns, you know, as the country prepares for these elections and what challenges do you feel need to be given urgent attention? Uh, so uh, as we are a youth citizen, uh, we usually analyzing uh, the political situation in our country. And today we are going to organize elections. But as Lucha, the Fight for Change movement, we are not agree with this uh, electoral process because uh, it is a corrupt electoral process. Uh, then there is no space. Nah? There is no freedom of expression. There is. Uh, there are many uh, political prisoners who still in jail. Uh, they are not. They are not released uh, because of Kabila government is not ready to uh, open all this space, the space, the freedom space for for, for, for political uh, parties, uh, especially for opposition party. And also uh, we have the many difficulties which are come from the electoral commission is not uh, credible. So we don't have any credibility um, toward this uh, electoral commission. That's why we are not agree with this process. And we suggest that all the community must work for what we call uh, a transition without Kabila. Because Kabila, when he's still on the power, will not have elections in this country. But if we change, first Kabila left the, the power and he led it to uh, someone else, like all civil society and uh, political actors can sit and decide to have someone else who will lead the country for a period of one year. And Kabila is not the president, but we have someone else who is leading the country. Uh, we hope that in that context or in that position, we can have real elections, true elections in which we have uh, freedom of expression in which we have all political prisoners will be released. And that's why we're not agree with what is going to be organized as an election. For us, it's not a good election. is only for um, government interest. The political party who are still in power, they will organize this election, but it will be only for the interest, not for the interest of the people. That was Gishlein Muhiwa, social economist at Lucha, on the line from Goma in the DRC, speaking to Ntlanta Matlang. BRICS is an important global formation with the member nations being Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa. This year, South Africa is privileged to host the 10th summit from the Wednesday, the 25th to July, Friday, the 27th. Now, the 2018 BRICS event seeks to focus on the strategy of the economic partnership towards the pursuit of inclusive growth and advancing the fourth industrial revolution. And Channel Africa will be there to bring you up-to-date news and live broadcasts from 1100 hours Central African time. Channel Africa will be bringing you the African perspective. Malawi's President Peter Mutarika returned home on Thursday from a high-level Comesa summit in Zambia only to be greeted by calls from civil society activists to refund 250,000 US dollars that was deposited into his party's account by Pioneer Investments Limited for which he is the sole signatory or risk a civil lawsuit. George Mango reports from Blantyre. 
Malawi's political landscape continues to be of great interest between locals and the international community. This as President Peter Mutarika this Thursday was scheduled to return from Lusaka in Zambia on a Comesa summit mission. Mutarika's return comes amid growing divisions between civil and youth activists on whether he has to refund the money that was deposited into his Democratic Progressive Party account where he is the sole signatory. DBP Secretary General Cressera Jeffrey refused to comment but said the alleged money was among the donations deposited into the party's headquarters construction project account. Just yesterday, the U.S. government and European Union asked Mutarika to refund the money or risk inquiries. This was backed by some human rights defenders who think the money should go towards procurement of drugs, building of schools and health centers. While Mutarika did not hint much on the alleged fraudulent activity, upon arrival from Zambia, renowned social and human rights campaigner Ondule Magasungula defends Mutarika, saying the president has done nothing wrong. youth activists are exerting pressure on the presidency to refund the money. According to them, such an office needs credible and honest people who should not take locals for granted as they strive for a better life. These are the views of some youths in the commercial capital Blantyre. The president should refund the money. You know here in Malawi, in hospitals, there are no drugs. In schools, children are suffering because they are shortages of books, learning materials, so the president should refund the money so that they should buy drugs in the hospitals and they should buy materials in the schools and they should also refund it to the police. They should buy for them that food in the whole amount which was supposed to be bought that food. We as the youth, we are very angry and we want the party to return the money. We don't want anything but to return the money because that will be, that will be the only way for the party or the government to show that it is serious against corruption. We want the money to be paid back. Then I think as the youth in this country, we will see what to do because there are so many ways of expressing our anger uh, other than just making such calls. We can mobilize ourselves. We can go on the streets until the party or government adheres to our cause. But Mwakasungura further argues that if that is the case, then a former First Lady Kalista Mutarika, who backs Vice President Salos Chilima at the moment for the presidential position in 2019, should also refund the money since she is paid for the job that she's not doing. I believe from the moral standing position, it was out of order for Kalista Mutarika to be paid for not doing anything. And to me, I believe... This is something which I think he has as a, a person of high standing uh, position would have thought in the first place. And further, thing that, further to that, we all know that even in the Bible, it says we shall eat the fruits of our labor. And if we don't eat the fruits of our labor, if we are eating the fruits of our labor without working for it, then there must be something wrong there. So I believe that... Uh, uh, what Mutalika, Mutalika, Mutalika was doing by getting his salary 
doing nothing really. It's something which she could have, could have avoided, been avoided actually. With 2019 polls fast approaching and more political rhetoric gaining ground, legal and economists have begun advancing for a leader who they feel should put the welfare of Malawians at heart. This is in direct reference to the financial and poor governance reports that are dominating the ground. George Mhango, Channel Africa, Blantyre. The Swazi Democratic Party, Swadepa, has filed an urgent application with the Eswatini High Court challenging the legitimacy of the country's upcoming elections. Eswatini is scheduled to hold its primary elections on the 18th of August and its secondary elections on the 21st of September. Swadepo and other political parties want candidates who run for election within the current constituency-based system to be able to publicly state their political views and also associate themselves with any political party. But government is having none of it, maintaining that the electoral system is a constituency-based system founded on individual merit and that there is no place for political parties within this system. More from Jan Sitole, president of Swadepa, about the party's concerns around the current electoral system. We, we were excited when the constitution of 2000 and came into being because it liberated uh, the Bill of Rights, which include, among others, the Freedom of Association, which were banned in the 1973 decree era. So that that then opened up spaces where organizations could associate themselves, uh, and including political parties, which, of course, my political party is one of those that uh, took advantage of the existence of the Freedom of Association in the Constitution, as enshrined in Section 25 thereof. So basically, the, what will be discussed tomorrow is actually the right of a political party in elections and in a government system. And we, as a political party who decided in 2013 to participate in the elections, irrespective of the fact that uh, we did not see them as democratic, but we felt there was need to represent our interests in the decision-making forum such as Parliament. And we were going to use the existing electoral laws at the time. So we did. And uh, now that we are going for elections again, we... We would like to have more space in terms of marketing our manifestos and also deploying our members and talking freely about what as a political party would do if we're mandated. Now, the government maintains that the electoral system is a constituency-based system founded on individual merit, preventing the active participation of political parties. Are you confident that the court will rule in your favor? I am confident that if the judiciary were to analyze the practical and international role of political parties would then agree that we need a clearly defined role in a political space different from that of an individual because i am sure that other other democracies also allow uh, benevolent and rich individuals to contest on their own and uh, but that does not block participation of political parties and that does not block the political party that wins to then choose a government to represent it and its policies that people have been pleased with as they campaigned in the process. So basically we think the court will not only look at a narrow definition of what in a particular corner of a globe we want to define a political party's role, but they will look at a a global view of what a political party is, particularly that Swaziland is voluntarily a member of various international organizations such as the United Nations that has clear definition of what a political party is. The African Union clearly defines what the role of a political party is. The the, the, the SADAC, the Commonwealth, those people will be coming even to monitor the election. I'm more used to what to to, to put a political parties role, and therefore political parties role in elections cannot be defined narrowly as the 
interest of a particular corner what is, when it is a global agenda. Now you mentioned that the forthcoming elections will be highly scrutinized. How would you like uh, the broader regional and international community to help in terms of achieving a multi-party democracy in Swaziland? Well, we definitely would like, we, we believe that the purpose, the reason why countries associate either in regional blocks, trade blocks, or what have you, there is, that, that gets formed because there are certain issues of common interest. And I believe that SADC, with all its organs, uh, believe in, in multi-party democracy and do have structures that can assist political players in Swaziland, including government, in a proper orchestrated dialogue to, to, to marshal in a multi-party process that is acceptable, not only in the few in the country, but that is acceptable globally. Do you think regional leaders are turning a blind eye to what is happening in Eswatini? Well, I, I, I would begin to believe that. But I'm also half and half on this because I've seen them take interest in the issues of Madagascar. I've seen them take interest in Lesotho. They're very active when things happen. I've seen uh, them take interest in Zimbabwe in the past. And uh, I believe that uh, as we continue to implore upon their participation and assisting to walk us through proper paces of fully democratizing Swaziland, they will not uh, shun away because it is in the interest of the regional policies and treaties uh, for all countries to comply with uh, democracy traits that uh, their treaties talk to. That's Jan Setole, president of Eswatini Swazi Democratic Party, Swadepa, on the line from the capital, Mbabane, speaking to Channel Africa's Kumbelo Munjelele. Our headlines up next with Amanda Machaka. Thank you, Lulu. Good morning. In the headlines, Zimbabwe defends a new electoral roll after allegations that thousands of fake names, duplicates and dead people are registered to cast ballots in a July 30 vote. The Gambia condemns former President Yaya Jammeh's pledge to come back to the West African country and concern over the situations in the Democratic Republic of Congo and South Sudan raised at the UN Security Council meeting. Details on these and other stories at the top of the hour. South African Communications Minister Numvula Mukunyane has stressed the importance of media transformation so that citizens can have greater access to information. Mukunyane addressed delegates on the last day of the third BRICS Media Forum in Cape Town. The forum concluded with leaders of mainstream media organizations agreeing on an action plan to promote media cooperation. Lula Mamatya reports. Hundreds of delegates from key media houses in the five BRICS countries, as well as Africa, are attending the media forum. They want news consumers to be able to differentiate between real and fake news. Communications Minister Nomvula Mukonyane, who delivered a keynote address, says media transformation should not only be about media ownership. A truly transformed media can play a greater and more meaningful role in ensuring that citizens have greater access to information. If we allow information deficit to arise, we risk creating a new divide between those with access to resources and those who have none. Journalists from the BRICS countries say they are learning a lot. Dimi Konastiev of the Russian news agency explains. We, the journalists from five different countries, from different parts of the world, think in one direction. It means that we have a future of real uh, practical steps that will bring our media communities together, that will help us to uh, promote, uh, promote our agenda, our common agenda, 
uh, and will help uh, eventually to make our nations more prosperous. Students from local universities have also been invited to attend. Media, marketing and communications manager at the University of Western Cape, Hassant Abada, says this gathering is beneficial to students. They've learned quite a bit. The opportunity to mix with um, media leaders in the industry from different countries as well. And they're getting lots of learnings about collaboration, how the new media operates and the kind of um, environments and landscapes they operate in in terms of how they engage with, with, with the developing nations. Executive Chairman of Independent Media and Co-Chair of the BRICS Media Forum, Dr. Iqbal Savi, talks about plans going forward. I think what we're going to find is a much more uh, deeper cooperation in terms of BRICS TV. I think that's number one. Number two, in terms of the Newswire services, that will be part of the action plan. Thirdly, the sharing of journalists uh, between the five countries and also the setting up of a youth academy for young journalists to be exchanged and trained in the five countries. Lulama Maja in Cape Town. BRICS is an important global formation with the member nations being Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa. This year South Africa is privileged to host the 10th summit from the Wednesday the 25th to July Friday the 27th. Now the 2018 BRICS event seeks to focus on the strategy of economic partnership towards the pursuit of inclusive growth and advancing the fourth industrial revolution. And Channel Africa will be there to bring you up-to-date news and live broadcasts from 1100 hours Central African time. Channel Africa will be bringing you the African perspective. The South African Embassy in Ethiopia has marked the centenary of late South African President Nelson Mandela's birth with a conference discussing the challenges facing the continent. A dialogue was attended by African Union officials, ambassadors from African countries and academics. Koleta Wanjohi reports from Addis Ababa. Those taking part in the conference said that many young people in the continent today do not seem to understand the pan-Africanism spirit that forefathers like Nelson Mandela promoted. Dumiso Nshinga, the South African ambassador to Ethiopia, explains further. Politics of pan-Africanism have declined. I don't know whether is it because there are all these now pan-Africanism institutions that are in place, but the politics have declined. Our children know very little about pan-Africanism. So it is quite necessary to bring back Pan-Africanism into the center of our African discourse to make our kids to be as fervent African nationalists as we were and as our fathers were. Some of the panelists highlighted that democracy was a core issue that Nelson Mandela advocated for in his struggle against apartheid in South Africa. However, they note that failure of democratic principles in many African countries is making it hard for development to be sustainable. Dr. Abdallah Hamdok is the Deputy Executive Secretary of the United Nations Economic Commission for Africa. Which one comes first? You develop Paris and then you go to democracy or the other way around? There is no hard and fast rule to answer this. There is no textbook approach to this. Each country in the world is unique. Countries will necessarily find their ways by practicing this and rising and falling in this process. Others suggested that more inclusion of women and youth in economic activities will help reduce the high levels of poverty in the continent. Mirele Toshimina is the executive director of Center for Human Rights and Democracy in Africa. Yes, we are capable of moving forward or shaping the continent and really following the path that uh, uh, Mandela had laid for us. However, for me personally, uh, as a gender activist, I see us really the next generation, the now generation of young girls that we're investing today to technology. They are the ones that will be leading the, uh, the Africa 4.0 that we want to see in 30 years or 40 years from now. 
The African Union wants the legacy of Nelson Mandela to live on. It named one of its plenary halls where summits are held in his name. The African Union also declared the decade between 2014 and 2024 as Nelson Mandela Decade for Reconciliation in Africa and the year 2018 as the Nelson Mandela Centenary. Coletta Njohi, SBC News in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it's one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time. 1,000 African Voices with me, Awurengwi C on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, broadcasting from an African perspective. The 12 boys rescued from a flooded cave in Thailand have been telling the world about what happened in their own words. BBC journalist Howard Johnson was at the special news conference held in the northern city of Chiang Rai near their home village. Joyous cheers and clapping as the boys entered the room. This is it. This is the moment everybody's been waiting for. The Wild Boar football team have arrived to meet the media for the very first time. In the build-up to the news conference, the Thai authorities said they were mindful not to put the boys through a traumatic experience. Questions have been vetted in advance. A psychiatrist would monitor the boys' well-being. But tonight, the mood was far from somber. The first of the boys to speak was Adun, the only English speaker in the team and the first to communicate with the British divers who found them. It was such a tremendous, miracle moment. I was startled. I didn't know what to answer. It took me a long time to think about an answer when they asked. When they came up from the water, they asked if I was fine. I said, yes, I am okay. But as attention turned to how the boys ended up being trapped in the cave, the mood in the room became more serious. The deputy coach who led the boys into the cave described seeing water as they entered. When the levels began to rise, they moved deeper into the complex to find higher ground. Eventually, they swam towards the ledge that helped save their lives, but the water kept rising. We tried to find other ways to go out. I suggested we dig the ground to drain water. It was around 5 p.m. We dug for some time, but water didn't subside. Before we slept, we prayed to Buddha. We thought in the morning water would come down and officials would look for us. The boys said they survived by drinking water dripping from rocks above. They meditated to conserve energy and used their flashlights sparingly. To pass time, they played checkers. But spending more than two weeks in a dark, wet cave was far from easy. 11-year-old Titan, the youngest of the team, described his lowest point. I fainted. I had no energy. I was very hungry. I tried not to think about food because it would make me hungry again. The laughter from his teammates proving that even in the worst conditions, this group have an unbeatable team spirit. And with that, the boys left the building and joined a police convoy back to their villages. Tonight, they'll spend their first night in nearly a month back at their family homes. That report by the BBC's Howard Johnson. Let's talk about it. Hi, 
I'm Joe Manguia. And I'm Tabitha Gala. Join us every Thursday at 9 a.m. Central African time. Let's, Let's talk, talk about, about it. A program on AIDS and other social issues. A program that will encourage a positive lifestyle to young people affected and infected. Let's, Let's talk, talk about, about it. it. Every Thursday at 9 a.m. Central African Time on Channel Africa. Abari, etise, mache, mingabu, baoni, kedu, mbote, ndemne, bonsoir. Join me, Richard Mwamba, on Africa in Song. Every Saturday and Sunday from 18 to 20 hours Central African time. Africa in Song, Saturday and Sunday from 18 to 20 hours Central African time. Our economics updates up next with Wisani Matebula. Good morning. Thanks, Lulu. Ethiopian Airlines is in talks uh, to take a stake in Eritrean Airlines. An Ethiopian delegation travel for the first time to Eritrea's capital, Asmara, on the first commercial flight from Ethiopia to Eritrea in 20 years, cementing a stunning rapprochement that has ended a generation of hostility between the neighboring Horn of Africa countries in a matter of days. The two 90-minute flights uh, put the icing on the cake of a peace push by new Ethiopian Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed. Ethiopian Airlines will fly twice daily to Asmara. In, Niger- in Nigeria, the new national airline will require initial capital of between 150 and 300 million US dollars, and government is seeking a strategic partner to operate the carrier. The West African country's previous national carrier, Nigeria Airways, was founded in 1958 and wholly owned by government. It ceased to operate in 2003. Decades of neglect and lack of investment have left Nigeria with low quality infrastructure seen as a hurdle to prosperity. Meanwhile, Nigeria's Wema Bank plans to issue 550,000 US dollars of debt in August to boost its capital adequacy. The bank is in the process of raising the second option and the offer will be opened in August. The debt raise is the second tranche of a 1.4 million US dollar bond program. Wema Bank says it has appointed parties for the offer and aims to boost its capital ratio to 15% before the end of the year. In South Africa, economists uh, say the South African Reserve Bank's monetary policy statement indicates the bank is not in a hurry to hike interest rates. The committee has decided to keep the repo rate unchanged at 6.5% in line with market expectations. The South African Reserve Bank says it deems the current rate levels to be accommodating and appropriate. Economist Jeff Schultz says the rates could remain stable for the foreseeable future. And it indicates that it's in no rush to hike policy rates, nor does it think that further rate cuts are necessary uh, amid tighter global funding conditions. And in that climate, we believe uh, that the Reserve Bank is likely to leave rates unchanged for the remainder of this year and probably for the bulk of 2019 as well. Investment bank EFG Herms says it will acquire Nigerian broker Primera Africa as it pushes to expand its capital market business across frontier markets. EFG Herms says it entered Nigeria because the West African country is one of the largest frontier markets globally with long-term growth opportunity after undergoing a series of reforms including currency devaluation. The announcement comes a month after South African bank APSA said it planned to join Nigeria's boards as a broker in July this year. Financial indicators, uh, the US dollar trading at 10.13 Botswana Pula, 9.87 Zambian Kwacha, BRICS currencies, the dollar at 3.85 Brazilian Real, 63.36 Russian Ruble, 68.73 Indian Rupee, 6.78 Chinese Yuan, and at 13.42 South African Rand. Also trading at 76 pence to the British pound 
and 85 cents against the euro. We look now at commodities. Gold $1,224, platinum $812 per fine ounce, brand crude oil $71.83 per barrel. And that's your economics news. Figure Lingwati up next with our sports update. First up in our sports update this hour, it is cricket news ongoing in Colombo, where South Africa has to win at all costs to beat Sri Lanka and be to stand in a chance to draw the test. And Sri Lanka captain Sri Lanka Lakmal won the toss earlier and elected to bet against South Africa in the second and a final test in Colombo today. This is a must win for South Africa and for them to stand in a good chance of drawing the series. Lagmal says he chose to bet as the conditions allow them to solidify their position. Meanwhile, Protea's captain Fav Duplessis has more on the team selection from the side that lost the test in goal by 278 runs under three days. Francois, you had a few days to think about what went wrong in goal. Have you put that behind you? Yeah, we, we've worked on a few plans that we want to try and um, fix in this test match. That's the beautiful thing about sport. Um, you're going to make a few mistakes, but you can try and learn from them and try and get better. So once again, a really good challenge for us here um, and to see how we can improve on those lessons. And in terms of personnel, have you made any changes? Yeah, we've got two changes. We're bringing in the extra batsman and tennis brain and, and playing three fast bowlers, um, trying to see if we can get some aggressive quick bowling uh, and get our 20 wickets like that. The score currently, it's lunch now in Colombo, but the score is 93 for no loss of wicket. Sri Lanka still riding the crest of the wave. Former South African top sprinter Simon Mahaku is back in action on the international scene after a two-year ban on allegations he refused an out-of-competition doping test in late 2015. Our London correspondent Gesham Nyati has more. Simon Mahakwe was part of the South African athletics team at the two-day inaugural Athletics World Cup in London. The sprinter certainly redeemed his career with a remarkable third position in the 100 meters in 10.11 seconds. He provided a strong challenge to the American winner and a Jamaican who came second. Mahakwe, the three times Africa champion and eight times South African champion, has completed a two-year ban for refusing a doping test which he has insistently denied. Meanwhile, at this brand new format of the Athletics World Cup competition, the South African team finished seventh overall with the USA team winning the championship. The best performers for South Africa were the winners Lovo Manyonga in the men's long jump, Sunet Villon in the women's javelin, Rekenet Steenkamp in the women's 100-meter hurdles, Second finishers were Derek Mohaleng in the 400 meters and Adams Luklolo in the 200 meters. Geshom Yati, Channel of Sports, London. And in boxing news, boxing fanatics from Mtata in South Africa's Eastern Cape province are said to be treated to a first ever international boxing title match this coming weekend. International boxing organization, world minimum weight champion and Mtata-born boxer Simpiwe Kongo, known as Notraga, will be defending his world title against Philippines' Robert Toto Landero at Walter Sisulu University on Sunday. This is part of Nelson Mandela and Albertina Sisulu centenary celebrations. Simpiwe Kongo looks ready to defend his title in front of his home crowd. Although the boxer has not fought in more than a year, he says home ground advantage will propel him. Nokaga, as he's affectionately called by his fans, is however worried about this age. 
There's a little bit of pressure because I've been 40 around here since 2013. So now I need to put up a game that's going to show that I'm on top of the world because now I've been in the game for like so many years. Inactivity can come in. I may feel all right now, but I don't know what's going to happen in the ring. But the only thing that I know is that I'm ready for the fight. I'm going to do all I can do and I'm going to put on the table all I have. But what's going to come there, I'm not sure of it because I've been off for almost like a year and a one month that's too much and i'm a little bit agey now in rugby news springbok sevens women's player marithi pinar says they have a point to prove at the ongoing rugby world cup sevens in san francisco this weekend and beating russia would be a good place to start the south africans who are seated 13th of the tournament are the underdogs going into the match against russia who are seated fourth and while those numbers alone suggest that the Springbok Sevens women's side will have a tough time in the opening match at the AT&T Park today, Binar made it clear that they have a few tasks to ace in the Northern California city. The match against Russia starts at 19.44 Central African time. And that's your Sport News this hour. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zola. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Recapping our top stories in Africa, rise and shine at the Sawa concerns over the political situation in the DRC. Pressure mounts on Malawi's president to repay over $200,000. And BRICS Media Forum concludes with action plan for further cooperation. That wraps up Africa Rise and Shine today and for the week. For myself, Lulu Gabu, producers Pumuzo Ramagaz and Khomuzo Mopulane, technical producer Mario Edwards and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at info at channelafrica.org, WhatsApp on 277-6300327 or tweet us at Africa. Are taking us to the top of the hour for the news on the frequency 7230 kHz on the 41 meter band to Southern Africa is Winnie Kumalo with a song titled Live My Life. <laughs> I'm <laughs> 